Well, no one wants to admit uh, what Prince Philip says here in the crown to Queen Elizabeth. No, no parent wants to admit preferring a favored son or daughter over the others. Uh, but any of us who grew up with siblings know that mom and dad had their favorites. Every living species does favor certain offspring. Uh, usually we favor the oldest or, or the most attractive or the most likely to succeed carry on the, the family d- legacy and DNA. I, I was never the favorite child growing up. I was a middle child. I didn't have my sister's good looks or my youngest brother's charm or my other brother's athletic prowess. Uh, the only way I became my parents' favorite is actually by murdering my other siblings <laughs> and getting them out of the way and leaving them with, with me. So that plan worked. But everybody, every parent has favorites, and, and yet every parent denies it. This morning, I want to look at a passage in the book of James that makes the same point, although maybe not in the context of parenting. James makes the point that despite our best efforts, we all play favorites. We all treat people differently based on worldly standards, and we all deny it. The passage comes in the second chapter of James. We're studying the the book of James here in a series uh, rooftop this, this fall called Wise Guy. Uh, book of James is a book written by a guy named James, who in all likelihood was the half-brother of Jesus. And, and James is a very practical letter filled with all sorts of important, helpful commands on, on how to live righteous lives. The book of James isn't very theological. He doesn't get into the, the finer points of Christian orthodoxy. The point of the book is to help us act like followers of Christ. It's not enough to say we're Christians. It's not enough to go to church. We've got to live like it. Uh, as James has already said, and as Skyler preached on last week, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That might be like the theme of the book. Do what it says. If we call ourselves religious, we've got to watch what we say. We've got to be generous, like radically generous. We've got to care for widows and orphans. And also, we've got to be fair. Can't play favorites. No matter how much we like our oldest child or any favorite person in our life, we've got to love each other equally. That's what James says in the passage that we're going to study. So let me go ahead and read to you James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. I'll be reading from the NIV. My brothers and sisters, Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a a poor man in, in, in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes, and you say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand over there. Or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you, you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? 
If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act. Act. There's James again, talking about you got to live it. Act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now James's instruction here, very simple, very obvious, gets to it right out of the gate. He says, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Now a very common other translation to, to the Greek here might be, do not be a respecter of persons. Some of your Bibles might say that. Do not be a respecter of persons. A respecter of persons is someone who treats people differently based on who they are. And James says we shouldn't treat people differently based on who they are. Now, I actually know that sometimes we, we absolutely should treat people differently based on who they are. I mean, I'm, I'm going to treat uh, my daughter differently than I'm going to treat my mother, than I'm going to treat my, my wife. Uh, I'm more likely to hold the door open for, you know, an elderly person than I am for someone else. I'm, I'm going to applaud veterans who stand up at the stadium. I'm not necessarily going to applaud beer salesmen who stand up at the stadium, although, you know, every now and then you're excited to see them. Based on the circumstances, based on the circumstances, we should treat people differently. So what is James saying here then when he says that we shouldn't? Well, what he's saying is that we should not treat people excessively better or excessively worse than others based on worldly standards and what they, might not, what they might be able to do for us. That's what he's saying. We should not treat people excessively better or excessively worse than others based on worldly standards and what they might be able to do uh, for us. And in the most immediate sense, this involves treating the rich better than the poor. And to illustrate, James offers a hypothetical situation that might not actually be hypothetical. Here's what he describes. He says, suppose, just suppose, that a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and and fine clothes and a a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and you say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you you stand over there or, or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves? Now, James is offering this as a hypothetical situation, but this sort of thing might actually have been happening. In fact, text clues suggest that this is exactly what's been going on in the church that he's writing to. Rich Christians may have been given special seats in their services while the poor were being asked to sit on the floor. Now, why? Why would that happen? Well, maybe the church was being run by the wealthy and they were giving primo treatment to their friends. Or maybe the church leaders were eager to curry favor with the power brokers of the city to see if they could get special favors. Maybe, oh, I don't know, they were trying to tear down a dilapidated barbecue restaurant. They were treating the officials well who needed to approve their plans. Maybe that was happening. We don't know exactly why or how rich people were getting VIP seating and why the poor would be given the poor, but James insists that this favoritism has to stop. And it has to 
stop for four reasons. First, their favoritism has to stop because God loves the poor as much as he loves the rich. What does James say? Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him, but you have dishonored the poor? James is here channeling his big brother, his big half-brother, Jesus. Jesus came to earth to bless all people, right? Rich and poor alike. But with limited time, he focuses attention on the neediest. He, he loves everybody, but he prioritized the poor. He made the poor rich heirs of the kingdom. Jesus says in his very first public sermon in the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, here's how he kicks off his ministry. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the who? To the who? To the poor. The rich have opportunities, the rich have access. Jesus came to make sure the poor have access too. And he starts by giving the poor everything. He starts by making them heirs of the kingdom. Heirs of the kingdom, the poor are. So in effect, in effect, the people running this church that James is writing to are making heirs of the universe sit in the corner on the floor. Jesus says, nobody puts baby in a corner. (laughs) Nobody puts the poor in a corner. What are you doing? These are heirs of the kingdom that you're putting in the corner. You might want to rethink that, James says. Secondly, their favoritism has to stop because these particular rich people didn't deserve their special treatment. The rich people they were honoring were the ones making life difficult for them. He says in verse 6, Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? Why would you give special seats to the very people who are taking advantage of your your poverty? That'd be like inviting Stan Kroenke to sit in the front row of Fair St. Louis. Why would we do that? Why? He torched our city. Why would we honor him? Just because he has money? Well, yes, that was the problem all along. He has money. But James says, don't do that. Now, of course, uh, this doesn't apply to all rich people. Uh, Not all rich people make life difficult for the poor. But here in James, these oppressive wealthy individuals are the very ones that are honoring a special guest. They shouldn't be honoring them. They should be rebuking them. Thirdly, Their favoritism has to stop because they will be judged for it. They will be judged as ones breaking the royal law of love if they treat people based on worldly standards. Writes in verse 8, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted as lawbreakers. However much it might have benefited them to give the rich VIP seating in their churches, James reminds his readers that the law of love prohibits that by loving some people more than others based on worldly standards. They are loving other people less, and God will eventually hold them accountable for such unfair deeds. And finally, their favoritism has to stop because favoritism is unbecoming. Favoritism is unbecoming for believers in the Lord of glory. 
This is how he starts this section. He says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Now, now James's reference here to the glorious Lord Jesus Christ, it's not incidental in this context, right? Sure, rich people all decked out in their garb look quite glorious in their jewelry and rings and their flowing robes. This is how rich people stood out back then, by the way, by their clothes. Everybody else, like 98% of people back then, they just kind of made, they just walked around in rags. Rich people didn't have to do that. They wore their clothes, looking quite glorious in the process. But when people are gathering in church to worship the glorious Jesus Christ, who alone is radiant in his royal robes and heavenly accoutrements, when we are gathered together to worship the glorious Lord Jesus Christ, does anybody care what anybody else is wearing? No. When we're gathered together to worship the all-powerful, does anybody care how powerful anybody is here? I mean, I know, I know, if, you know, some local St. Louis celebrities ever showed up here at Rooftop, they never have. <laughs> but if some local St. Louis celebrities ever showed up here at Rooftop, it'd be a big deal. Like I said, they never have. I don't know if any celebrities are ever going to make their way down to Afton. But let's say they did. Let's say that some Sunday, you know, you know, you know some St. Louis baseball cardinal player shows up you know world series ring on or, or let's say jenna fisher shows up with her office crew or, or let's say someone from the bush family or you know john ham our favorite uh, celebrity blues fan or or mayor tashara jones or let's say john goodman ever you know makes his way back to afton if that ever happened you know we'd be going crazy everybody would know it right did you see who's here there's here's here john ham's here jenna fisher's here it's over there We'd make sure that they were comfortable. We'd make sure that they found their seat. We'd give them like, you know, five programs. We'd serve them coffee. We'd ask them if they'd like a, a sleeve of donuts. <laughs> Chocolate or powdered for you, ma'am. You'd make sure that I knew they were here so that I could go over and introduce myself. We'd get really excited about it. But then let's just say on this same hypothetical Sunday that Jenna Fisher shows up, let's just say that that's the Sunday Jesus does. Let's just say the same Sunday Jenna Fisher shows up, Jesus shows up. Will anybody care? Yes. No! <laughs> <laughs> they will care that Jesus showed up. That will be very exciting. You're right, Aiden. <laughs> But will anybody care that, Aiden, Aiden, that, that Jenna Fisher shows up in whatever she's wearing? No. This is what James is saying. Why do we get so distracted by worldly standards of glory and power when we worship the all-glorious, the all-powerful? So don't show favoritism, James writes. Don't favor the rich over the poor, the handsome over the ordinary, the powerful over the forgotten. Why not? For reasons. Because God loves everybody. Because the rich are the very ones making their lives miserable. Because they will all be judged by the royal law. And because in the glory of Jesus Christ, our measurements of human glory are frankly ridiculous. So that's what James is saying. But now let's ask our question. What's our question? So what? So what for us? How does this apply? Does it? Uh, well, in order to talk application, I actually want to focus in on, on two questions that I think are actually worth discussing here this morning. Uh, first, do we show preference to others based on worldly standards? Do you and I show preference to other people based on worldly standards? How? 
And why? Is the problem that James is confronting in the churches that he's writing to a problem that we struggle with? Hmm. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely yes. And at the deepest level, preference for the powerful is practically built into our DNA. I I mean, I will tell you, I will admit, I get really nervous. I get really nervous around uh, famous or or powerful people. I don't meet famous or powerful people. I don't run in in those circles. But, you know, it's happened. You know, if you're in some public place or in the mall or, you you know, in a hotel and you run into somebody in the elevator. Or if I'm in, like, a pastor's convocation and some, like, big St. Louis pastor walks into the meeting. I I get really anxious. I get all tongue-tied. My hands get sweaty. And I inevitably, I inevitably, inevitably say something stupid (laughs) Uh, years ago for example our our son was in a a pre-k program up in Clayton and before the school year started we actually all the parents had to go to a parents meeting with all the other parents and apparently uh, Orlando Pace's son was in the same class now maybe you remember who Orlando Pace is you guys remember who Orlando Pace is he's a big offensive lineman for the St. Louis Rams he's in the Hall of Fame now but he, he was just a dominating force on the, on the, the front line of, of the Rams and uh, when we all got there, all the parents had to sit in a circle in this pre-K room, and we all had to sit in these little pre-K chairs. <laughs> so you, this was difficult enough for me, six foot three, sitting in this little pre-K chair. But then imagine, if you will, six foot seven, 325 pound Orlando Pace, you know, sitting in this little pre-K chair. Like his knees, knees came up past his ears, the, the legs underneath the chair were like bowing out. So we all sat down, and the first thing the teacher did was to ask us to go around the circle and introduce ourselves. Now, knowing my penchant for embarrassing myself around celebrities or, or, or anybody, and knowing that Orlando Pace is like sitting in the circle right across from us, my wife, Michelle, she whispers, she leans over and she whispers to me with her finger in my face. <laughs> she whispers, don't say anything. (laughs) Do not embarrass us. I'm like, okay, okay. I won't. So we go around the circle, and it gets to my turn, and I say, well, you know, my name's Matt Herndon, and my son's Mitchell, and uh, I'm a pastor in Afton. Is that okay? Can I say that? It's like, okay, good. So we get to Michelle, and Michelle introduces herself. We go around the circle, and then we get to Orlando Pace, and Orlando Pace is sitting down in the little chair. says, hello, my son's name's Justin. Uh, I'm a professional football player for the St. Louis Rams. And Michelle slaps her forehead really loudly, and she says, oh my gosh, that's where I knew you from. <laughs> I'm like, what? Hypocrite. Hypocrite. It's true, though. It's true. She knew me. I get nervous around powerful people. What's really interesting, and this is my point, is that I don't get really nervous around ordinary people who aren't famous. I don't get nervous about homeless people or visitors or average folks. Why not? Well, I get nervous around powerful people because I want to look my best in case they want to do something for me. 
I don't know what they're going to do for me, but I just want to make sure that I look my best in case they want to do something for me, in case they want to, you know, make my life fantastic in some crazy way, in case they want to write some big check or give me some big empty church building on a highway or something. I want to look my best around powerful people in case they want to do something for me, but I know that ordinary people can't do anything for me, so I don't freak out as much. Frankly, I don't care as much. If perhaps you're judging me right now, that's fine. I don't care about your judgment. Well, maybe I do a little bit, but mostly I care about God's judgment. But if you are judging me right now, I'd ask you to check yourself. (laughs) Do you like that? I'd ask you to check yourself. Lots of us who like this, I'm not the only one. We are all more likely to favor people who can do something for us over people who can't. I mean, lots of people who come to Rooftop, what do they want to do? What's one of the first things they want to do when they get here, right? What's one of the first things they want to do? They want to meet the pastor. Lots of people stick around after church to meet the pastor. I get it. If I were visiting a church, I would too. Uh, But if we're Christians, everyone here is important. Everyone's really important. You, want to, might, you might want to meet me, but you don't so much care to meet that lonely person sitting in the corner by herself. Why not? Well, that person, your brain has calculated, is not as important as I am to you. In fact, let me show you something. A well-known preacher uh, named Francis Chan was actually preaching on this passage years ago. You might know Francis Uh, And it's a bit of an experiment. He set up a camera in the lobby one Sunday, and he put himself next to a grungy-looking high school kid and counted how many people came up to talk to each of them. I actually want to show you the video. Roll film. counter on it shows you how many people uh, say hi to me. So there there I am, and you can't really see. uh, So just standing at the table, and there's the other kid. Ah, there's some people greeting me. Interesting. Now, they actually talk to the kid for a second. They ask him to take a picture of us. Um, So that doesn't really count as them talking to him. Let's say another guy coming up greeting me, and there's lonely boy, still lonely. Um, Cool, so we're talking, talking, talking. Cool, here's a book. Hey, read it. Okay, I'll try it. All right, uh, see you later. Oh, here's another guy. Hey, I brought you something. Cool, okay. Okay, good, good, thanks. No, I appreciate that. All right, you want to talk to my friend? No. Okay. Uh, hey, buddy, what's up, man? Good to see you. All right, cool. Rock on. Um, here's, and uh, hey, brother, I love you, man. It's good, good, good. <laughs> uh, hey, what's up? I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. And then... Um, an usher here is talking to him. So good job, Ed, Ed. One of our usher Ed is talking to him, asking how he's doing. Yay, Ed. Okay, here's some more people talking to me, ignoring him. Um, see what else happens. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> oh, Todd. Yeah, Todd and Lisa. All right. Now, I, honestly, I think the video might be a bit unfair. I mean, it's a little bit of a setup. But, but, but there's something here. There's something to it. Two lonely people standing by themselves in a church lobby, and everybody wants to say hi to the pastor and ignore the kid. Why? Well, they all know the pastor. They don't know the kid. But also, their brains have calculated. Their brains have calculated it is far more important that I have a relationship with the pastor than it is I have a relationship with the kid. 
But what does James say? That's worldly thinking. It is the lonely, it is the poor, it is the sick, it is the downtrodden, it is the marginalized. It's the kids. It's the kids that God has chosen to reveal himself to. Nothing against Francis Chan. In fact, this is his very point. But that lonely kid was the one with whom Christ was standing this morning, that morning. He was the one that made heir to the kingdom, but he didn't look very powerful or noteworthy, so nobody wanted to say hi to him. And what's sad and scary is if we perform the same experiment here at Rooftop, out in the lobby, we'd get the same results. I dare you to show me that we wouldn't. I dare you to introduce yourself to that lonely kid standing by herself in the corner this morning. Jesus is standing with that kid. Did you guys come here to meet Jesus this morning? Did you? Did you? Did you? Find that kid. That's where Jesus is. We play favorites. We play favorites based on money, looks, potential. This is how the world operates. We don't, we don't belong to the world, right? We're held to the royal law of love. We follow a different law. We do things differently as Christians, which brings me to the second application question. If we shouldn't practice favoritism but fairness, how should we? What does that look like, really? What does fairness look like? My, my question here is, how did Jesus practice fairness, and how can we? You see, the opposite, the opposite of favoritism is fairness. Now, admittedly, Fairness, mushy word. When we think of fairness, uh, we think of treating people equally, you know, giving everybody the same size slice of pie. It seems to be what the Old Testament law prescribes, at least in some contexts. Uh, In the book of Leviticus, for example, which is the book out of which this passage in James might actually come, in the book of Leviticus, Moses writes this. He says, do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. So according to this understanding, fairness is to treat people the same. Nobody gets any special privileges. The rich don't get special treatment, but neither do the poor, according to Leviticus 19. But this actually seems to run against about how how Jesus spent his life, Right? He did seem to prioritize the poor. He spent most of his time with the poor. He spent most of his time with the sick. He prioritized women and children, even reached out to non-Jewish people. He spoke against the rich. He spoke against the powerful. He spoke against the privileged. Jesus doesn't seem to be practicing fairness here, at least as described in Leviticus 19. But on this point, a nuance might be helpful. Maybe you're familiar, for example, with the distinction between equality and equity. Equality is everybody being given the same thing. Equity is people being given different amounts based on different needs. Now, I am not talking politics here. I am not talking affirmative action. I am not talking graduated progressive income taxes. Uh, I know that equality, equity, distinctions get complicated and political. I don't think that needs to be the case, at least not for our purposes this morning. I'm just saying... I'm just saying that Jesus recognized that some people need more help than others. Everybody needs help. Everybody needs Jesus' help to see over the fence into the ballgame. In fact, that's where we could probably like adjust the graphic here. Like in terms of the kingdom of God, nobody can see into the baseball game without lots of help. Everybody needs, in order to see into the kingdom of God, everybody needs like 10,000 boxes. And some people need 10,002. Some people need more help than others. 
This is what Jesus meant when he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the who. It's the sick. Jesus came to heal all people, but he spent his time focusing on people who needed a little bit more help than others. This is why he got so mad at the temple. Remember the scene in the temple where Jesus flips the tables? Remember that scene? Do you remember that scene? Do you know why Jesus got so mad there? There's a very specific reason why he got so mad there. People were coming to the temple in Jerusalem to worship God and offer sacrifices in the temple. But a lot of them had come from like 200, 300 miles away. They're not going to drag Bessie the bull to be sacrificed through the desert. They're going to bring their money. So when they get to the temple, what are they going to do? They're going to buy a sacrifice. Merchants, knowing this, had cornered the market. And were charging exorbitant fees to buy a sacrifice to make in the temple, the rich could afford this. The poor could not. The poor were being priced out of church. And Jesus said, oh no. Oh no. My house will be a house of prayer for whom all the people, all the nations but you have made it a den of thieves. And then you know what he did? He grabbed a whip and he chased people, the merchants, out of the temple. Oh no, this is not going to happen. You want to avoid Jesus' whip? Love people the same. So Jesus came for everyone. Everyone needs to be forgiven. Everyone needs to hear the gospel. Everyone needs access to God. But he came to make sure the people in the back of the line have they're shot too. Now, how can we be that kind of church? How can we be the sort of church that lives that out, that practices fairness in the kingdom of God's sense? Well, we can be the kind of church that lives that out if we're the kind of people that live that out. This isn't just up to me. This is up to you. We can repent of our tendency to prioritize powerful people who might be able to do something for us. We can ask God to forgive us for that because it's a sin and it will be judged with his whip. We can love on coworkers at the office who nobody seems to pay attention to instead of leaning back and brainstorming ways to kiss up to the boss. And we can ignore the pastor at church and make sure that we make a nervous visitor feel welcome. I will be fine, guys. <laughs> and you know, if you have a limited amount of conversation and you have to choose between me and somebody else, pick the other person, please. We can foster or adopt a child that might not have much of a chance otherwise. Uh, we can make sure that the disabled have equal access to our buildings and services. We can maybe give a few less Christmas presents to our kids who have everything they need. We can buy presents for a needy family this year. We can fill up a few Operation Christmas Child boxes for kids who might get nothing otherwise. We could sponsor a kid through our Escuela Viva program. We could help send a rooftopper down to Mexico. We can pay more attention to how our black friends and people of color have suffered in this world. We can support organizations that protect the lives of the unborn. We can stop ignoring beggars on street corners. We can give them a smile instead. Even if we're not going to give them money, which is fine, we can still give them the gift of our presence. Everybody needs the gospel. Everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody needs help. Everybody needs to see in the baseball game, but some people need just a little bit more. Those are the people Jesus came to prioritize. Those are the people we should. Now, of course, those people include us. We need help too. You and I, we are the poorest of the poor. We might not always look like it. We are the greatest of sinners, I should say. We are the people at the back of the line. We are the children our parents forgot. Maybe you actually feel that way. 
Maybe you still feel forgotten, alone, rejected. Maybe you feel that way here this morning at church. Maybe you feel forgotten by your church. Maybe you feel neglected by your family. Maybe you feel forgotten by your nation. Everybody feels that way sometimes. And if you feel that way this morning, you need to know that you are why Jesus came here to this earth. He came for you. He came for me. He came for everybody. He doesn't play favorites. We are all his children. But if he did play favorites, you would be his. Even if you were the only sinner alive on earth, Jesus would have come down here to earth to die on the cross for your sins. And that's exactly what he did. He loves you that much. He came to earth to suffer and die for our sins so that we will not be judged for our favoritism. His mercy triumphs over our judgment. And all he asks, and all he asks, and all he asks in response for such a sacrifice is that we worship him in all his glory and stop worshiping Jenna Fisher in whatever way we are. And that we love the people that he came to love. That we let them know God loves them too. God doesn't play favorites. He's the kind of parent who loves everybody. But if he did have favorites, it's you. It's me. It's the poor. It's the lonely kids standing in the lobby. Those are God's favorites. They should be ours. Somebody, somebody should go tell them. Maybe that's us.